0: This is MuggleCast, episode 8, for September 24th, 2005. If you haven't finished reading book 6 yet, then you probably should not listen to this podcast, as we do talk about several different plot spoilers. Hey everybody! Welcome to another exciting edition of MuggleCast, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Jamie Lawrence.
1: I'm Laura Thompson. Ben
0: Shane is not here this week because he's... Oh, I don't even know what he's doing. I think he's at the baby Tournament. It doesn't really matter, because nobody likes him. Yeah. So, before we get things started, first, let's get you updated on the past week's top stories with
2: Micah. Thanks, Andrew. Scholastic, the American publisher of the Harry Potter series, has announced that sales for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince have hit 11 million in the U.S. alone. By comparison, 5 million copies of Order of the Phoenix were sold in the first 24 hours, and 11 million sold in total. And on Thursday night, the sixth book in the Harry Potter series was named America's best-selling novel from January to August. sold more than twice as many copies in the United States in its first two weeks as any other author's book in a whole year. Moving from Half-Blood Prince to Goblet of Fire, a special gathering and party has been announced for the Goblet of Fire premiere weekend of November 12th in New York City. Reservations include hotel and various activities to enjoy over the weekend. This is a great way to plan your trip the U.S. Goblet of Fire premiere. More details over on mobilenet.com. Of course, you can check out all the new trailer information, video clips, and pictures on our main page. This week, three new interviews have been posted with the actors who play Flora Delacour, Cedric Diggory, and Cho Chang. There's also been reported a commercial with new footage for Goblet of Fire aired Thursday night during a showing of Joey on NBC. Seeing as there are only five people who watch this show, and uh, we know who you're We'd appreciate it if the former cast members of Friends would send it in. And a very happy birthday to Tom Felton, the actor who portrays Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies. He turned 18 on Thursday. Finally, we end with an update on the fundraising efforts for Hurricane Katrina. Olivons reported on Wednesday that they have raised $9,315 through their Redwood for Red Cross sale. Thank you to everyone who donated. That's all the news from our news center in New York for the September 24th, 2005 edition of MuggleCast. Back to you guys.
0: Alright, thanks Micah. Now you guys are all updated. Don't, doesn't everyone feel better now? Everybody knows what's going on. I feel I feel positively enlightened, Andrew. Fresh and new. Oh, I almost forgot. Before we start, you can stop the emails. We finally have a girl yes. from MuggleNet on the show. Laura Thompson. Yeah, Laura Thompson of MuggleNet fan fiction is here. Laura, is that your main job around the site? You also do some content, right?
1: Yeah, I work on MuggleNet as well, but um, it's it's sort of it's a pretty even balance between the two.
0: Okay, sweet. And uh, you were one of the ones who originally came to us after I put out the request for staff members to come and help out. Yes. And I sort yes. of didn't get any girls on until uh, five minutes ago. So.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I I sort of badgered you for weeks on end. Yeah,
0: and then I give you first priority. We are going to start having, whenever there's an open spot, we're going to have bringing a MuggleNet female, whether it be Laura. uh, Excellent. Yeah. And now people in the staff forum can stop complaining, too. (laughs) I never replied. (laughs) Not not that I did that. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. We have a staff forum? I don't know what you're talking about. We have an
3: internal split
0: through the staff. (laughs) First, let's get to a few announcements. Eric, let's start it off with the contest update. Yes, the contest is
4: now closed, and the 20 finalists are posted on the site for your distinct voting pleasure. Uh, Now, to get to this poll, uh, just go to our MuggleCast section. Actually, no,
0: we're going to do it differently. I didn't tell you this. My mistake. You didn't inform
4: me, man. You changed the contest and you didn't inform me?
0: I'm so alone. To get to the poll, to vote for... You, what you think is the top entry, or maybe if it's yours, 20 lucky, 20 lucky people got into this poll. Go to http semicolon backslash backslash com slash MuggleCla-C- mugglecast slash poll. Just poll, no dot html or whatever, okay? And then there will be a poll there. You're going to vote. We're going to keep it open until... When should we keep it open till? Um, I think till the the next
4: episode okay. or is it is 2 weeks better? Mm, I think 2 weeks. 2 weeks. Okay, yeah, 2 weeks yeah. then. So at the release of episode 10, the polls
0: will be closed and our list will be complete. All right, so that just about wraps that up. The poll will be open uh, until episode 10, at which time we'll have the winners, people will win the prizes. If you want the con- if you want the prizes, uh if you want to know what they are, go back to episode uh, six. Yeah, episode six. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Episode. Probably. six.
4: <laughs> oh wait. Okay. So can I do that? That thing now?
0: Are uh, the voicemails about the Horcruxes? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Go. Okay.
4: On. Okay. One thing we have to ask the fans. Um, well, well we were kind of talking about discussing the show. Uh, all of us, and we decided that recently, uh, we've devoted a lot of time to talking about. Well, and they were good conversations too. But um, we we to Horcruxes. You know, we were we were talking about recent book six stuff a lot and it makes sense because it's a hot topic and stuff, but what we wanted to do uh, and kind of ask the fans to help us with this to kind of get back to the, uh, you know, kind of talking about the more original and, and basic Harry Potter stuff. The things that, the things that we love about the books and, you know, the characterization, which is actually what I believe that our main topic is today, which which is great. And so it's just basic. It's, it's more down to the books and stuff. So please, uh, <laughs> send in voicemails that aren't, um, you know, we'd love to hear your voicemails and all your theories on horcruxes cuz they're all good and stuff, but we would like to get into talking about more fundamental and, and you know kind of earlier or all encompassing kind of things. So, you know, I think it'd be a truly bad thing on Mugglecast if we just, you know, brace the surface of the books, which is really what we've done since we just talked about horcruxes and you know, Harry Potter isn't all about horcruxes. So, please send in your voicemails if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to
0: add about the original, you know, the first few books. Anything here. else besides Book 6 content.
4: Yeah, anything besides Horcruxes, and, and also, well, last week we talked about Felix Felicis, which was not a voicemail, but it was something Ben brought up. But but it was nice, because it's a new part of Book 6 that we hadn't talked about extensively, or at all, and, and so that was very
0: nice. Okay. So, please stop, please! Okay, and now time for some plugs. Uh, now. Def- they made you that website, Andrew. Oh, yeah, okay. Thanks for setting me up for that one. <clears throat> I'd like to thank everybody who made me a website, a fan site. It warmed my heart. <laughs> He's got like 40 now. It's I great. knew I knew what would happen when I asked. And sure enough, all of my fans fulfilled my wishes. So I thank you all. Oh, two of them. Oh, um, Andrew, um, I know you're going to do this later, but do you want to tell them about it now? That uh, I'm not done yet. I'm still section? thanking my, 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 my fans. So, no, but seriously... You guys are cool. Okay, and um, don't forget, vote for us on Podcast Alley by going to margocast.com and clicking on the link that says vote for us on Podcast Alley, because we want to be up at number one. We're at number six now, and that's not cool. We want to be up to number one. Um, hey, you're the one who said you were getting bored of being number one, Andrew. No, that was on iTunes. Oh, that was on iTunes. And now Sorry. now I'm bored <laughs> of being number 30, so I want to move back up to number one.
4: <laughs> well, Well, no, Andrew... Why don't we plug that thing, that, that free iPod book, just one okay. more time? Just in case I didn't hear yeah, it in the, the, the first free free seven book? casts. Uh, uh,
0: really, we're not getting paid for putting that up. If you have an iPod, download it. If you're new to podcasting, download it. That's all there is to that. Don't forget, it's so easy to f- subscribe to us on iTunes. We like being high up on that list because we get a lot of extra promotion from visitors, okay? So to subscribe to iTunes, all you gotta do is go to MongoCast.com and click to click on the iTunes button and or subscribe to us download. Uh you can install or download iTunes. But here's the catch. Here's what's really gonna get you going, okay? Soon, very soon <laughs> we're <coughs> sorry, I'm still suffering from my cough. <laughs> yeah. Soon we're gonna start offering subscriber incentives. So that those who subscribe via iTunes or other things, but we'd rather prefer iTunes, you will get special bonuses. We're gonna be putting together a blooper reel soon. Where we might put together um, Ben and I have a behind-the-scenes video in the works on how this is gonna, how the show is made, stuff like that. We encourage you to subscribe. It's easy. Doesn't cost you anything. And so go to mugglecast.com for more. Information. Okay, and uh, big topic of this week of discussion, no, it's Ooh, not yes. about Goblet of Fire, no, it's not about Half-Buddled Prince, it's about... Well, it's about. new! Yeah. I know, I can't believe it.
4: Okay, so since we've got this new wonderful girl, Laura Thompson from MuggleNet Fan Fiction News, who's, oh, who's had you. to read... She's probably force-fed herself stuff, you know, all the time, all the fan fiction she gets in... And of course, some of it's great, but she should and does know a lot about characterization in the books, and that's <laughs> what we're going to talk about today. So, uh. <laughs> right, Andrew? That's right, Eric. Okay. Yes. Okay, well, one of the things I can say about this would be, um. would be teachers. Uh. Now, I've gone to public school my whole life, and, you know, that kind of enabled me to meet a bunch of wild and crazy, uh. well, not, not exactly wild and crazy, but different teachers. Uh. So what I wanted to say was that I don't think there's a single teacher at Hogwarts which I can't really compare, you know, their personalities to a teacher I've had in the past.
1: I think, Well, uh, you know what, um, um... And, like,
4: in book six, Slughorn was, like, the final one, like, the last one I needed for that, you know, the kind of mindset of a teacher who, who likes to be around the kids and who might one day, you know, be very successful and famous. But, um, no, we've, we've had the complete kook, we've had the, you know, we've had the person who's completely unprepared and, you know, ill-equipped, and, and we've had the outcast, so...
1: Um... Really, I think she has a great representation of all the different teacher types you can get. I myself have had my very impersonal Dolores Umbridge when I was in the eighth grade. What and, about a Snape?
0: Did you ever have? a Snape? Oh
1: yes, yes, I have. Um, it was, it was, it was definitely an enlightening experience. She, um, ignored me. She, based, she was just pr- basically pretty awful to me, and. Um, Really didn't enjoy that class very much. I think we've all probably had our own Snapes. Input.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Insert input here, yes. (laughs) No, yes, no, I've had Umbridge too, and unfortunately it was very bad a year for me. There were like like 20 bullies in the class, and only like three people wouldn't make
3: fun of me, so that that was not good. Ooh,
1: the inquisitorial squad.
3: Eric, you're turning into Ben. You're turning into, I was bullied when I was six. I've had a really bad life. (laughs) <laughs> no, Jamie, uh, that wasn't Ben. That was the voicemail that the one guy sent
4: in asking us uh, oh, how many times we read God. all the books and said he read it, like, 50 times or something. Yeah, we weren't making fun of him, but then he said how, like, Ben had the bad childhood and all. And, oh, that was funny. I was bullied in school.
3: Um, when people compare the Harry Potter teacher to their own teachers, I think that they, you know, either compare the magical qualities or the normal sort of personality traits that's in them. So, like... I've had Dumbledores, you know, the people who really care and who really look after, her, who look after you and are, and are actually concerned about your welfare rather than just your education. And I've had, you know, Umbridge, who I didn't particularly like and who I felt was working for the education system rather than me, which they are, but I prefer, you know, a more personal teacher who actually cares about you. And, of course, you, I think I mean, everyone's had, had the Snapes, you know, who you don't personally like, but other people really like them, like, you know, Harry doesn't really like him, but Malfoy does really like him. So I mean, I think if we compare personality traits, loads of people have had teachers exactly like the people in Harry Potter. But if you compare, like you know, the things they do in lessons, I don't think many people have had to sort of transfigure a warthog <laughs> in in eighth grade well, maths.
4: Yeah, of course not. No, I mean that was that was great and 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 a brilliant distinction there. Um, and thanks for bringing it up. But yeah, no, I I really You're like your Dumbledore comparison there, Jamie. Uh, there are those teachers that are really just like. Concern for your welfare and, and not just for education and, and yeah, those Exactly favorites. same.
3: But I think that in, in Harry Potter there Joe doesn't really talk about the education system that much. I mean, you know, you, you can't really have standardized teaching because it's just one school which teaches magic. Whereas, you know, all the schools, I mean, especially in the UK, they have a national curriculum, so you will have to stick to you will have to stick to one set, you know, path of teacher. I mean, obviously all the teachers have different ways of teaching, different methods, but there is, you know, a certain specification that that you are uh, that you have to teach i mean i don't know for sure but i think you in a primary school you have to you have to do one hour of numeracy or literacy you know every day or something like that whereas in, where whereas in Hogwarts you know it's all down to the teachers and it, it's all down to the school because i mean in essence it's a private school it's not but you know they can do well, what they want well, really. yeah it
4: kind of is and and they have they have been doing what they want to you, you know in, in book five Umbridge was saying how the you know all the former DADA teachers had taught the students all this useless crap you know but what it just shows is yeah, is how exactly. little power the ministry had over the school or at least you know authority or you know they couldn't exactly. do it so
3: but exactly and, and yeah but it isn't only that but the uh, you know the school can't really appeal to the ministry to change things and, and implement a different education system because it's against the ministry and there aren't many, you know, countries. I mean, especially in the West, where the government and and the education system are separate. You know, I mean, the, the education system is usually overseen. I mean, not controlled, but it's overseen by the government. And I, I think I think that's one big distinction between Hogwarts and normal schools.
1: Honestly, though, I um, Order of the Phoenix. That really, uh, it really compared to my feelings on the education system. I'm homeschooled now, and. The reason I left was because I felt like the public schools didn't care about us anymore. Uh, they were more concerned with handing out detentions and um, and try and just fr- frankly trying to keep their uh, ratings up, get their funding. And it was it was definitely uh, not not the best experience. I spent ten years in there,
4: Laura. I think that's brilliant. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, Since I'm in public school, and funding is a big issue now. And one thing is that, well, I mean, kids these days are kind of asking for and, you know, practically begging teachers for detentions um, and deserve them. But, I mean, that's something else. There's also kids who, I mean, one thing about public school is that public school has always been sort of, you know, it's, it's had a lack of individuality. I mean, you know, homeschooling, you get it. It's like a big, big thing. And that's, it's simply, you know, I, I don't think that could exist, you know, in public school because there's so many kids or that, you know, that it could have, we wanted it to because there's no way for the teachers to, you know, there's no individuality because they have to teach a class and not just you. So in a way, homeschooling will always be, you know, that more personal and, and more so than public school. But there are other issues with public schools and, you know, the, the school system. And I think that book five
3: really brought out uh, kind of the I like that. Yes, I, li- I like that. But... Um the thing is that you know as Laura was saying, she didn't like how how everyone was handed out detentions and stuff like that, but I think that's because Hogwarts in the magical world it, it doesn't really have b- bureaucracy and people aren't really uh, accountable well you know you know they're accountable to the people, but they aren't, they aren't accountable to the government that I mean we don't know ha- how the government in Harry Potter is elected really, but you know in uh, in school nowadays in the uh, muggle world people have to they have to meet targets they have to they have to be scrutinized by everyone. Targets, yeah, everyone has to make targets, and uh, and you know, so they have to be scrutinised by everyone, w- which means that they have to hand out some detentions just to show that they're that that they're you know assertively disciplining everyone. And that's the big distinction between Hogwarts. I would personally, I don't know, I'd like to be to be taught in a uh, Hogwarts, obviously, because you know everyone wants to be taught in Hogwarts, but I don't know.
4: Yeah, I, I think that. Well, what you said about the government and the ministry being completely separate from the school is is true. And, you know, in public schools, there's always this, this pressure to perform to and, you know, perform up to and meet standards, and it's not quite the same at Hogwarts. Like, at Hogwarts, they don't need to worry about, you know, losing funding if they don't meet requirements. And that's a big problem with public schools. You know, they're, they're going to lose funding if they did anything inappropriate. Exactly, yeah. They've got, whereas Hogwarts don't. Well, right. And um, one of the things is that, I guess, Hogwarts and Muggle... Muggle uh, Sorry. Muggle schools do have something in common, uh, which is the parents. And, I mean, maybe sometimes not, but in recent books, Dumbledore has certainly had to answer to the, the parents of the students. And schools nowadays, I mean, well, my school just last year had this a uh, large uh, book banning. And all the parents of students in the community came out and participated um, <laughs> rather heatedly. Uh, but the parents of children, you know, who say that they don't want their children taught this and that and and all the problems with religions and schools and you know all this this whole thing is really like an accountability that uh they don't have necessarily for the government but they have for the parents and and hogwarts yeah but i mean over
3: here it's i mean especially nowadays it's so hard to fire a teacher i mean you know you have to go through paperwork and, and and you have to find out exactly what they did there have to be tribunals and hearings whereas umbridge in book five just told trelawney to go and she went, you know, because there's no accountability, there's no forms, there's no scrutiny or anything like that. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you you do have the school governors which threaten to, you know, close the school and do all those things in Chamber of Secrets. But I don't really th- see if they could do that, because, you know, if they close Hogwarts... The thing is, though, I mean, there there are only three, you know, schools of magic in the world, or as far as we know. And if you close one, you, you're, like, sh- shutting off the education system for every single wizard and witch on one continent, and you can't really do that, you know, whereas, whereas if you close down one school temporarily, you know, because of a gas leak or something, now you can, because, you know, I mean, there are yeah, there are contingency plans, and, and you can go back in a few days and catch up, whereas I don't think you could do that to Hogwarts, so, you know, I mean, even though they have the governors, which are supposed to scrutinize them, I don't think they can very well. You know, Jamie, that's a great point. And it's really a big question now, like, will Hogwarts be open again for,
4: for Book 7? Because, I mean, I mean, not necessarily for Harry. Like, Harry doesn't need to go back for his seventh year. I mean, he is completely screwed and incompetent with, like, tackling the Horcruxes. And, and he does need to find out how he's going to find them. But I don't think that's anything he can learn from school. But the point is, like, what will happen to all the other under, underclassmen? And how will they, like, will the new wizards find out that they're, you know, wizards with the new children? You know, and how will they, how will they function? How will they learn? That That's a great... Great, great point, because if there's no school, then, you know, what'll happen to the underage wizards? You know, will they need to be held back a year next year when it's opening again?
0: I would think that the Ministry of Magic would have some sort of backup plan if this would happen. Maybe transfer them to another school, uh, or maybe set up a temporary school, something like that. I think this deserves its own discussion, though. We'll save it for another uh, podcast. Does anyone have anything else to discuss before we move on? Okay, Laura.
4: Uh, tell the world what it's like. Like, tell tell the tell us the kind of stuff that you are exposed to as a a fan fiction editor, poster, moderator thingy.
3: Half the eighteen year olds in in the country would faint just at the mention of some of the pairings that you receive. Isn't that right? Even Satan would go. Even Satan would go. I am getting out of here right now.
1: Uh, a majority of the authors are very very easy to deal with, and they're and we have a lot of very talented people. Um, we do. Some people do get demanding sometimes, but it's really because they don't understand the magnitude of the stories that we get. I mean, we must get at least 600 stories a day. And when you're splitting it between less than 20 people who have lives and such, it, it is difficult, but it is, it is a good job, and I really enjoy doing it.
3: Do you find that like the majority of people present one character in a certain way, or do you find that like they're like a small niche in... The market say who who feel that one character should be presented in one way or a different way, and they're like cut off from the rest of the Potter community.
1: There is a lot of stereotypes when it comes to the characters. Um One thing that that is kind of annoying is people often stereotype Ron as being very dumb, and I realize that he's not Hermione, but he he's not dumb either.
3: He's not stupid though, is he? No, I really well, like. No, Ron. yeah. The the thing about Ron is he's That's very point, intelligent, like and he
4: he just d- doesn't always get the uptake. You you know exactly. he's not he doesn't know he, he it you be, know as well he might not be up to date with things but once he knows what's going on he's he's very yeah. he knows what to do and, and he has no trouble advising Harry you yeah. know it, it's not like he just sits there and he's like uh, yeah.
3: you know and
1: it, one of the things that's most important that I find most important about Ron is his loyalty to Harry yes it I mean
3: which is more important Ron yeah. is the
1: kind of friend who would die for him and I think that that counts as, as Hermione said. A lot more than books and cleverness. Yes,
4: and I'm going to quote Jamie from a uh, a few episodes ago here. Um, right now. Yes. Oh. Uh, well, you said that. No, he said um, <laughs> in the books. It's uh, it was a true mark of friendship that uh, that Ron didn't laugh oh, yeah. uh, where Harry told him about the Hogwarts Express Draco incident.
1: That's a perfect. Yeah. example. This
3: brings us this brings us to uh, another point, though. Uh, you were talking about how Hermione said that you know uh, bravery and friendship is favoured, you know, more why don't we talk about why we think Hermione was put into Gryffindor then rather than Ravenclaw because all, all the while you know in book five in big in book five what's his name um I can't remember who it was now Ernie Macmillan I think said how you know after Hermione said that she could perform a protein charm for protein I don't know how you pronounce it protein charm that was new grade and then she said you know oh well you know I can and then he said why won't you put in Ravenclaw and I think you know that was a turning point because it it led up to book six and uh, and showed that, you know, on the... Uh, I don't have to finish that, but I hope people understand what I mean. <laughs> uh,
4: no, yeah, I, I know what you mean, and that, that's really cool and kind of uh, gets our attention and says, well, why wasn't Hermione, you know, put in Ravenclaw? And, and, I mean, I don't want to say that they're all insensitive and mean in Ravenclaw, and, in contrast to Hermione, because, well, the Ravenclaws, you know, they're really like the house we know least about? Because... I mean, the, the Hufflepuffs are probably the most, next to Slytherin, the most violent, uh, as far as gossiping and making Harry feel real bad, you know, like Ernie and, and
3: them in and Chamber of Secrets, <laughs> so... But,
4: yeah, no, that's an interesting point, point. you know, I don't know why Hermione wasn't put in, in Ravenclaw. I, I think we are going to
3: have to find out why, why she was put into Gryffindor and not Ravenclaw. I mean, you know, clearly, uh, in the, uh, the first book, uh, and, you know, it, it was emphasized in the film... That she said, you know, she said, "Oh, you're a great wizard, Harry." And he said, "I'm oh, not. You are." And she said, well, "You know, books don't really count. Friendship, loyalty. I think she has got to favour that above any type of education. Even though in every book, Joe always says that, you know, she's always got her head in a book, reading and studying. I think clearly she's going to have to do something to show why she was put in Gryffindor, because, you know, it, it, it is such an important point. It, you know, it isn't just a sorting when they get sorted into heads. It's it, you know, sh- sh- showing off all of their personality traits and you know emphasizing them as a person and you know cuz it isn't just a house it isn't like a school house where, where you put into the blue team the yellow team or the red team it's a really it's a really important aspect of school
4: <laughs> yeah and i think i think it, you know what would really completely and utterly stink if like the the sorting hat didn't sort them like alphabetically and kind of uh, I don't know if you had this, Jamie, but Laura, in American gym classes—if uh, you—if yeah. you get picked last for like sport yeah. when they, when they have captains and they're picking each other and if you get, you know if it wasn't alphabetical, um, actually, if true. I like that uh, one. Really suck.
1: Hermione being put in Gryffindor. Um, I think I think she um she proved her bravery particularly at the end of Half Blood Prince just in her one statement saying you told us that. You know, we we could have turned back, and I think we've had plenty of time to do that. It was basically sealing the fact yes, that she's that's brilliant. going to be with that's Harry Ron to the very end.
4: A great point, and she has said before that, you know, yeah. we're not leaving you, Harry, so
3: that's a really good exactly. and underlying theme of bravery on her part. That's great. If you go back to the first book, do you remember um, after Ron was really mean to her and, and they saw her crying and then they saved her from the troll? Joe emphasized it there that. They became, you know, the best friends after that. Absolute best friends. And that was setting it up. That was setting it up. Uh, you well, know man. what, Jamie? I love that part. In fact, actually, I have the book with it, me right here. I have to
4: find that part. It's something about um, it's something about there are certain things you can't do without
3: becoming friends, and wrestling a troll is one of them. Or without becoming best friends. This is the first time on the show I think we're actually having a quote from the book. Yeah, hang on a minute. It's, it's Halloween. It's the very end. Maybe we chapter. should do readings. Jim Dale can just, you know, go compared to us.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got these books. Yeah, okay. Numerous. Um,
3: all right. I have them. It says, but from that
4: moment on, Hermione Granger became their friend. Uh, there are some things you can't share without ending up liking each other, and knocking out a twelve-foot mountain troll is one of yeah, exactly. I think
3: I love you know. That. After it's that, just,
1: it's so they were, so were going to stick together it, till the it's end. Perfect, I love it.
3: It means a lot. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Well, right. It's it's brilliant. It, you know, it,
4: it really shows that the. uh... The best friendships can just start from, from nothing. And not exactly that wrestling at Mountain Troll is nothing, but, you know, it's, it's that it's an awkward situation and that it was like the result of Hermione taking direct offense. You, you know, Hermione was completely offended by, by Ron, and, and it turned into this beautiful friendship. And, and even now we're seeing that it's grown beyond friendship and is spreading, you know, between her and Ron into a uh,
0: romance. Oh, well, that was a very in-depth discussion. Now it's time to get on with our show regulars that everyone has come to know and love. They really are the staple and assets of Mugglecast. Let's start off first with the one, the only. You can't get it anywhere else. It's Spy on Sparts. Who has aim open? Uh, dun, 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 dun. Is, Is it on? actually open? Let's all investigate. And this concludes this week's edition of Spy on Sports. Ah. Emerson is not online, and none of us want to pay long distance to call to him.
1: I think you guys are getting a little bit obsessed.
0: He could be invisible. What can, I, can, uh, what can I say, Laura? I'm obsessed with the guy. Well, this is part of the excitement, because people will never know if we'll be able to spy on sports or not. So tune in next week for another exciting edition. And before we move on to my new segment, it wouldn't be another episode of Mogulcast if we didn't have one of Jamie's British jokes of the day.
3: Okay, we have two jokes today. One very, very small joke, two-liner, and slightly longer joke. Okay, our first one is a sort of make-or-break joke. It's either going to, you know, make people laugh or not. Okay, what airline do vampires travel on? Okay, Okay. British scareways.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a funny pun. Jamie, you roar.
3: This one This one is so funny, okay? Okay, you ready? This one is so good. OK? Okay, there's an Englishman and Irish. Oh, I just like to say before I say this, we don't mean any offense to Irishmen, Englishmen, or Scotsman. This is just you know, the format of the joke. So we love Englishmen, Irishmen and Scotsmen, really. So I'll go now. They're being- OK, there's an Englishman, an Irishman and a Scotsman, and they're being chased by a policeman. And they see this old warehouse around, so they run into it. And inside, there are three empty sacks on the floor. Okay, and each one of them jumps into a sack. And in comes the uh, policeman, and he sees these three bundles on the floor, because you know it's a small sack, and they fill up all the space. And he goes up to the first one and he kicks it. And the Englishman shouts out, "Woof, woof!" And the uh, policeman thinks, "Oh, it's just a dog in there. It's fine." So uh, he goes over. He he goes over to the Scotsman. Sorry, he goes over to the next sack. And he uh, kicks it, and it goes, meow, meow. And he thinks, oh, it's just an old cat in it. So he walks over to the third one, and he kicks it, and the Irishman calls out, potatoes, potatoes. Who <laughs> oh <my God.
4: laughs> yeah, yeah, it hasn't it. That great heard that one before? Wasn't it a blonde joke? <laughs> yeah, it's a blonde joke, so it's really neat. It's like cultural diffusion or something our jokes are traveling like much like Japanese baseball is baseball but more loyal like our jokes are changing their format but are like basically the same thing and have the same punchlines
1: <laughs> I've heard it with um blondes, brunettes and redheads
0: <laughs> ah, well. and as it made a uh, royal voyage over the sea it turned <laughs> <No>. into potatoes
3: <laughs> Andrew can I do one more?
0: sure go ahead
3: Sure. alright okay it's a knock-knock joke, so uh, somebody's going to have to do it with me. Okay. Who to do it? Go ahead, Eric. Right. Knock-knock. Who's there? The interrupting cow. The interrupting cow. <laughs> <moo>. Okay. <laughs> on top of that joke, okay, oh my God. I have a competition, where well, it's not really a competition, okay? Okay, I was going to say, on top of that, there's a competition this week, okay? If you change the word cow to say rabbit... Okay? And he said the interrupting rabbit too, and then you had to make a rabbit noise. What noise would you make? So, could people please send in their voicemails with their best rabbit impressions? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome idea.
0: Great, our inbox is going to get flooded with
3: <laughs> rabbit, rabbit. That's a, that's a great impression. That's a great idea. People will love
0: that. <laughs> 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 Guys, I had this idea two seconds before the show. We're just going to try it one week. I don't care if you guys think it's lame, Jamie had his British joke of the day, Emerson, even though he's not on the show, <laughs> has his own spy on sports segment. I would like to start Andrew's Listener Challenge of the Week. I requested last week that I sure would have liked a fan site, and lo and behold, I get about 2 billion fan sites. Every week, I'm going to pose to you guys a challenge. If you fulfill this challenge, I'll give you a hug. Now, this week's challenge, I want you, yeah, you, yes, you, right there, yes, you, okay, I want you to go out into your town, I want you to make signs that say, listen to guests, and I want you to post them everywhere. I don't care, post-it notes, lunch bags, I don't care.
1: Take pictures. Post it yeah, anywhere. Take That's
4: what we need to do. We need like a marketing consultant or funding to make t-shirts just for Mugglecast. Much like our Mugglenet t-shirts only they definitely have to ship a heck of a lot faster and they have to say like yeah man or or I completely agree with you or something along those lines and they can have like our pictures. <laughs> well, I'm saying we need full publicity. Eric,
2: what do you ask for?
0: Mugglecast slogans. So listen, we want promotion, and we don't have no money to do it, so I want you to go out there, put signs around your town and say, listen to MuggleCast, because Andrew told me to tell you, okay? So do it! Yeah. Okay, great. So seriously, you guys, I want, I want to see what people come up with. Oh, and here's the thing. After you put up the signs, take pictures, and then we'll, we'll make a page that has my weekly uh, challenges, so, do that and send it to mogulcast at com. Let's move on to everybody's favorite parts of the show. Unless they get long and boring. Yeah, uh, one, one last reminder, guys. Uh, stop sending us book six questions. We're tired of them. Send in uh, anything else besides book six. Okay, that's it. Now let's get to the voicemails.
4: Hey MuggleCast, this is Matt, and I just want to say that you guys are doing a great job with the show, and uh, I listen religiously every week, and um, I usually listen when I'm just hanging around and stuff, but um, my question is this. Harry having his mother's eyes is supposed to play a big role in the, sto- in the story in Harry Potter book 7, but I really don't know how it's going to work out. Can you Do you think you have some opinions on how this might, like, you know, play out? Thanks, guys. No, no, thanks for that. Non-Horcrux voicemail, and I like it. All right, now I have a, a, just a small thing to contribute, because I want Laura to do more talking, and I'm going to get, like, a ton of hate mails saying that I talk way too much, and Jamie, Laura, not at all. So I'm just going to say, um, you, you know, maybe my section should be plugging the cap- caption contest, but no, one of the captions uh, just a few weeks ago um, on the caption contest said something like, Uh, it has something to do with Lily, and there were two characters, and one asked the other one uh, what was the big thing we found out about Lily in book six, and the other one replied uh, that she was good at potions with with a question mark, which was it was good because it really brought up what Matt just did too, which was that you know, in book six, we, we really didn't you know, what did we find out about Lily in book six, besides the fact that she was good at potions? You know, I really can't think of anything else we found out about her. You know, so he's right. How will that play a role? So, you know, Joe put this emphasis on it so much earlier in the books now, and how will that play a
3: role? I have, I have no clue. Okay, um... I think that's right. I think it's such an important topic. But, I mean, I I honestly don't know. This is one of the things... I mean, it was just like why Voldemort wanted to kill Harry, you know, before the fifth book. I, I could not hazard a guess, because I had no idea. And this is... I think I mean obviously, is it's absolutely you know fundamental to the series. But I'm stuck between whether it's his actual eyes that are going to play a role, you know, physically, or whether it's just a show that, you know, Lily is still inside him and that she's she, she's always going to be with with always uh, going to be uh, there
1: with I, him. I I'm I'm with Jamie. I'm really not absolutely sure. What the significance is, but I did read a very, very interesting editorial once. I believe it was on the internet, um, about the color of Harry's and Voldemort's eyes. Um, Harry's eyes are green. Voldemort's eyes are red. And obviously, Harry's in Gryffindor. Voldemort's in Slytherin. I think that that I think that's a very interesting idea, and it's a very um, important factor. I think it could have some kind of uh, significance. That's great. Yeah. Such. Good
3: versus evil, as well. You know, I mean, reds. You know, it's always been. You know, blood, death, and all those kind of things. So well, yeah, symbol no symbolism,
4: but just like Star Wars, all right? The Star Wars, the Imperials, yeah. the Imperials, the bad guys are green and yes. the levels are red That's or, or something. It's like the complete opposite of what you'd expect. No, I'm talking about the laser thingies, that they're, they're starships, wait, star destroyers, sorry, and X-wings. Uh, I must be an insult to every Star Wars fan ever, everywhere, but I'm I'm sorry. Uh, but that's my take, because, like, they use the laser colors opposite to what you think. Sorry. And, Canon, can, do you think
3: we can just uh, promise, can we just promise to all fans that this will not turn into a Star Wars podcast, okay?
1: Hi, this is Alicia from Ohio. I have a quick question. As sad as Dumbledore's death was, I found it equally as sad as when we imagine Neville and Luna still clinging on to their coins from Dumbledore's army. Did anyone else have the same reaction? Thanks.
3: I did, and I think it works on two levels. That you know, them hanging on to their coins is a clear show of their commitment to Harry, helping Harry, being with him, you know, right to the end. And and of course that was shown when they went with him in book five to the to the Ministry of Magic, and um. And of course, that's that's going to continue into book seven. You know, they hang on to the coin, so they're always with Harry. But also, it could work on a physical level. You know, they hang on, they hang on to the coins. And everyone thinks it's just because you know they are, they're, they're going to stick with Harry to the end. But it's because, the you know, Dumbledore's army is still going on in on, on in his you know name and his spirit, and that straight in into book seven, that, that there is going to be a Dumbledore's army just like there's an Order of the Phoenix. Or, I mean, it, you know, the. It could be absorbed into the Order of the Phoenix. We just have a bigger or- Order of the Phoenix. But I think Dumbledore's army is here to stay, or at least the people from it, and they're always going to be loyal to Harry all the way to the very end, whether Harry dies or not. Which he won't, of course. He will not die. I couldn't take it if he died, as I'm sure well, everyone then, else. Because
4: Voldemort way. would be. Well, my biggest problem with Harry dying is that. Well, then will Voldemort be able to go on and live forever? And so, yeah. But um, one thing I want to bring up is that it was it was very very heartwarming and sensitive for you know to to see and hear that. Luna and Neville held on to their coins, and they said it was like having friends and all that. You know, it's very sympathetic and everything. You know, emotions great, but it presented a very large hazard because of Draco, and he knew about the coins, or he found out about them, and he knew that he knew how they worked. So, and on the North Tower, he tells Dumbledore that's how that's how he communicated with Ra- Madame Rosmerta. So, even though it's emotional and fantastic for Neville and Luna to have, you know, hung on to the coins and been all you know, about them, it, it also presents a very big danger because then they can be misused in things. So, and it is possible Draco knew about the coin some other way, um, but it's really similar to the list of passwords that uh, Crookshanks got from Neville for Sirius in Book 3. You know, keeping them presents hazards. And another thing I think that's cool is, you know, Draco's using the idea from the good side to do bad, and it's, it's kind of a good testimony, uh, you know, to great ideas turned wrong. Laura, what do you think?
1: I had... Um a very girly reaction to it. Um, Apart from spending the last couple of chapters of the book absolutely bawling, I let off a huge awe whenever I found out that they kept their coins because it specifically mentions that they were the only two that did. And I can't imagine the kind of slap in the face it would be to be so loyal and hold on to those coins for Dumbledore's army and then to find out that Dumbledore had been killed in such an undignified way. I mean, someone like Dumbledore, you expect to die very honorably, but he was blasted off the top of the Astronomy Tower, and and I just, I can't imagine that feeling, and I think that it's very important, sentimentally, also, to show their loyalty to Harry.
4: No, but Sirius, no, Sirius Black's uh, death, too, Laura. Mm-hmm. Y- you expected Sirius to have, like, a valiant and noble death, and-, and there he was, he got hit with a spell and fell backwards through curtains. I mean, Yeah. No, but that's another point Joe's trying to make, I think. I, I, and I, I strongly subscribe to what Jamie said back in uh, episode three, that on the North Tower, where he said that um, Dumbledore's getting blasted outward was due to the tremendous release of power. And I I know I bring that up in every cast, but it's, it's really, truly, um, you know, it might be rather insignificant, but at the same time, you know, Dumbledore had his fair share of fights in the books, and it's not that they're... It's not that the DA's cause is shattered either, since he died so pathetically. I mean, that's it's something really important that one should realize: is the DA's cause isn't null or void just because he got himself blown off a tower?
3: It was a noble way to go, though, wasn't it? I mean, especially if Snape's still working for the good side, it was noble. He died, you know. He, he died to save Harry because he, you know, uh, petrified him using his wand, and you know, him him blasting him blasting him off the thing was kind of like you know a purging of, of all emotions. You know, the blast symbolized. All, all that Dumbledore had done. I mean, if, you know, if the Avada Kedavra curse had just killed him outright and he just fell down, it w- I don't think it would be as special. You know, the, the the fact that he was blasted all the way over into the grounds of Hogwarts, you, you know, of, of the place where he reigned over, just shows that his commitment throughout the entire series, you know, had come to an end and that he's such a special character.
4: My God, excellent. Excellent insight, Jamie. Um, y- good. Yeah, th- no problem. The um, The only thing I was getting at was uh, one of the best things that the da could ask for i think would be for the people or person they dedicate their group to to really truly i think respect them admire them and more than normal and dumbledore completely does that like i mean i'm sure with emerson fan sites you know emerson appreciates them all but dumbledore had it like a true complete love attention and like patience with his his followers and with harry and with the da and i think he really really showed it to him and he gave them his respect and let them, you know, fend off the Death Eaters before he and the Order could arrive. And you know, also in book five, in his office, he made the point that it was Dumbledore's army and not Harry's army. You know that stuff. So he truly respected and, and you know, put a lot of faith and loyalty into this group of followers. And I, I think that's very unique and just very admirable uh, for any group of the sort. So even if he does get killed, rather, you know, quicklessly or quickly,
3: sorry, and pointlessly. Uh, without putting up an unembarrassing un- fight, I th- you know. I think that's a great point because you can really compare that to Voldemort. Because you said that, you know, Dumbledore had complete faith in all, all of his, all of his followers, whereas Voldemort's scared of his followers. You know, if if one of them turns away from him, he kills them. So he's scared of being reliant on somebody else. Uh, whereas Dumbledore isn't. He you know he he likes to trust people. He, he likes to be friendly. He likes to be. I mean, he he doesn't like to be in control, just like Voldemort does, and I think that was what's so great about Dumbledore, and why Dumbledore's army can still go on, even after he's gone. As Elton John said, his candle burned out, well, he didn't actually say about Dumbledore, but his candle burned out long before his legend ever did. First it was Marilyn Monroe, then it was Princess Diana, and now it's Dumbledore. (laughs) Jamie, stop with all these
0: British jokes of the day.
1: Hi, MuggleCast. My name's Sarah. I listen to
0: MuggleCast from Maryland. Books 1 through 6 all take place over the course of a school year, starting in the summer and ending at the Hogwarts Express. But Book 7 doesn't have this restriction. Harry probably won't be going back to Hogwarts, and the work of destroying all the Horcruxes could take years, maybe even following the main characters into adulthood. What length of time do you think Book 7 will cover? Well, I think this is an interesting question, because... We're looking at the final book in the series and we're expecting it to be so well, I don't even know if it's going to differ a lot from the other books. But you would think the way book 6 set it up that this is going to be one of the biggest different one of the most unique books in that what Harry has to do. So in that case, yes, I think it's possible for the book to span over a school year, but, I mean, if you think about it, the past books have all started in the summer. So, therefore, yes, I think it's very possible that this book can run over the end of the school year. Now, how long? Hey, I mean, you know, it's the last book, anything could happen. I could almost see, I hate to say it, I can almost see this running in across the summer, and theoretically, into the next year of Hogwarts, although there probably wouldn't be any school. Joe did say that there'd be one book.
3: Joe did say that there'd be one book for every year at Hogwarts, but I don't know whether she meant they'd be at school for that year, or it would just tie in time frame wise with when they'd be at school. But I really, I can't see them going back to school. You know, it's turned in. How can they go to lessons when you know the fate of the world basically is a uh, rescue Especially Harry, it's such a huge responsibility. You know, you can't juggle. You know, period three, killing Voldemort. Then potions afterwards. Well, he's done he it before. Do he, he's yeah. done
4: it before, Jamie. I mean, you really can't pretend that the the whole thing with the Sorcerer's Stone and everything wasn't a big deal. In, you know, in itself, and that, that was way back when Harry was eleven. I mean, in, in a way, it was far less you know difficult uh, to balance school with it because Voldemort was at school and he you know he wasn't really on the loose and he was confined to Quirrell. But at the same time, w- what I managed to say, what I wanted to say, was that she's managed to fit in all of her books so far into the time of a year. And in book four, with the Trivisar tournament and uh, the Quidditch World Cup, and that that was freaking huge, all right. And so everything she did was just so much more elaborate than what we were used to, and longer and and better than any you know previous Quidditch match. But she she still fit it into a year. And I think what we're seeing and what we th- saw with book five, with the hearing and the the attack and everything, no matter how much stuff she has to fit in a book or how complex it is, she really does seem to be able to make it run. Uh, uh, like a year longer, rather, from summer to summer. So, yeah. I just have two very final thoughts, I promise on this, absolutely. Alright, if Voldemort is killed or vanquished or whatever in Book 7, is it possible that it might happen early on in the book? Like, could it happen that uh, Summer yet... You know, could it, ha- could it happen at the, the end of summer and Harry would have to go and, and search for Snape the rest of the year and get rid of all the, the other Death Eaters, assuming Snape is bad, which I don't think so. But, I mean, is, is it even plausible that the book series might not end with Voldemort's death, guys? I mean, do you think so? Because, um, I, I. Yeah, it's unlikely since there's, like, so much stuff that Harry has to do yet to find all the Horcruxes, and he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. So, I'm guessing that the death of Voldemort will be one of the last chapters. But I'm just saying, is it, you know, is it possible that that uh, he doesn't have to die, or that it isn't the very end. Uh,
0: yeah, that would be an interesting read, because it would be so unexpected, and, you know, J.K. Rowling always wants to surprise us. So, if she did this, then we could have the rest of the book to fill the rest of the gaps in. There'd be plenty of time. I like that. J.K. Rowling, do okay. that.
1: Okay. Um, I think it'll probably be be close to the same length as the, re- as the rest of the stories in the series. Um, I really couldn't see it spanning over 10 or 20 years or anything. Um, I think it might be a little longer. It might be a little shorter. I don't really think, though, it's the time span that counts. I think it's how much time she actually spends on the story, because we- as we've seen, she makes the summer shorter and longer in different books. So I- I'm, really, I- I'm really not all that convinced that the time frame is all that matters.
0: Yeah, great point. Quality over quantity.
4: I think Book 7 will probably last more than a year. All I was saying was that uh, she's adapted to fit things into a year. Um, but unless he finally, unless Harry finally accepts health and accepts his friends and they all have prior knowledge to the Horcrux's whereabouts, it's highly unlikely that it will all happen in a year or, or you know, especially that summer. So, yeah. And the final thing I had to say was in the interview, I think, between Melissa Emerson and J.K.R., J.K.R. said that there would be a chapter – ...devoted to the Survivor's Futures, so that kind of thing makes me think that they, they won't get into it too much into the future, um, and she'll like more focus on the present and save it all for that chapter, so I think I'd kind of be fine with Book 7 lasting like three to five years in present time... And that would be good, because then, you know, every, anything after that will be saved for that extra chapter explaining the futures of all the
3: survivors. So I, I, yeah, I think she is pretty much going Eric, to keep Eric, it rooted in the present. Eric, the thing is, though, you know, the Horcruxes could be all over the all over the world, all over the country. And is, is it actually feasible for Harry to to find all these Horcruxes in one year? And I, I think, you know, I've been thinking that, you know, that everyone thinks that the series has to finish with either Voldemort carrying killing Harry or Harry killing Voldemort, you know... Dumbledore says that that it has to end with one of those things but that doesn't mean the books have to end like that and I just don't see how Harry can find them all in one year or or you know just a bit longer or a bit shorter and and then kill Voldemort I don't know how that can happen in one book
0: I think we should just get a, get Joe on the show we can ask her all the questions yeah. in the world and then we'd never have to do another show again We only do this cuz you yeah, guys have questions that's so that way, everything can get no, answered. Don't get me wrong. I, no, I'd
4: love to have her on. I mean, she saluted <laughs> me, that woman. I, you know, I love her to death. I'm but, just joking. But no, what I'm saying is that she wouldn't have to answer any questions. Because she, what, what she do, okay, I'll tell you exactly how this would go. If JKR is a muggle cast, all right, she's going to sit there and we're going to ask her the world's best questions. And she's going to sit there and give us the Joe Rolling smile and the Joe Rowling look. And, and that that Joe Rowling unfairness, and 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 then she'd she'd open her mouth and give us that that Joe Rolling tone of voice, and she'd say she would say in that Joe Rolling authentic brilliance that the answer is in the books, or or that we shall see, <laughs> you know. I mean, she doesn't have to answer any questions, even if we have her on. So I'd love to have her on, but it'd be really be a waste because she's so happy at, about what she's got coming that that we really can't know it until it till it happens. That's that's all I had to say.
0: Yeah, that's all she wrote. So thanks everyone for listening. We really do appreciate everyone downloading and subscribing. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget, send in your rabbit invitations to jamie at staff.mugglenet.com. Send in your listener challenge of the week photos to challenge at We can't wait to see those. And also don't forget that our poll is open right now. mugglenet.com slash mugglecast slash poll. Make sure to vote on what you think is the funniest way that Voldemort should die. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Jamie Lawrence. Alright, I'm Eric Skull.
1: I'm Laura Thompson.
0: Ben Chain will join us next week, and Kevin Seck was supposed to be on the show, but he had a few problems getting back in time. Also, we'd like to thank Laura for making... for pioneering <laughs> the future of MuggleCast. MuggleNetGirl girl showing up on Yes, MuggleCast. thank you for Thanks, having Laura. me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We'll see you all next week.
3: Do you find that, like, the majority of people present one character in a certain way or do you find that like they're like a small niche in the market say who who feel that one character should be presented in one way or a different way and they're like cut off from the rest of the Potter community wow that was
1: really uh, good we get a lot. how do I come up with this <laughs> <shit>? <laughs> 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 jamie
4: are Jamie your own question was really good <laughs> oh Jamie you're British everything you say is worth hearing
3: cheers Eric